Please join me in prayer for God to illumine our hearts and minds. Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first scripture reading is from the book of Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. Listen for God's word to us. On that day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Jesus woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our Old Testament scripture this morning comes from Psalm 46. I invite you, if you would like, to follow along in your Bibles as I read. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in an uproar. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you see me making a face this morning, it's not because I'm scowling at you, but my children are here in worship with me this morning. They're sitting over here on the second row. So I might be making faces at them. (laughs) I'm not allowed to tell stories about them today, 
So I'll tell you a story about when I was a youth minister at a church in Houston, my first job out of college. We took some middle school students on a weekend retreat at a Christian camp that had a high ropes course. And I was so excited because I'd always wanted to try out a high ropes course before. So when it was our free time, that was the activity that I chose to do with a group of students. The most challenging aspect of this course, and maybe you have seen this before or experienced it yourself, but it was, I guess they called it the pole jump. Basically, it's a very tall, um, skinny-looking tree trunk that's standing upright in the middle of a field, and you are first supposed to climb up to the top of this long, skinny pole. There's some rungs. And then there's a platform at the top not much larger than your feet. And once you get your balance and your courage, there is a trapeze about five feet away that you're supposed to jump to and catch and then uh, swing over to the other side. Now, we all were doing this activity, and as the kids were going up one by one, uh, they were scared, but we were encouraging one another. And I didn't think that I had a fear of heights, so I was pretty confident that I could climb up to the top because from the ground, it didn't look that hard to jump to that trapeze. It didn't look like it was that far away. And I thought, what's the big deal? You're actually hooked up into a harness and have ropes holding on to you. Someone's belaying you. But let me tell you, when it was my turn to get up to the top and I stood there, I realized that I did have a slight fear of heights. And that that uh, trapeze was way farther than it looked from the ground. And, which you didn't realize when you were on the, the ground, when you got up to the top and got your bearings on that platform, the pole was actually swaying a little bit in the breeze, or so it felt like. It was tottering a little bit. And so it was not quite as easy as it might have looked to jump and catch hold of that trapeze. I can understand why this was used for people to take a hold of their fears. Well, finally, after getting up enough courage, I jumped for the trapeze, but with not quite enough power to catch the trapeze, and I missed. And in that moment, I felt two distinct emotions. The first was that I felt a little bit of disappointment that I had failed to catch the trapeze, especially in front of all my youth, right? I kind of embarrassed myself. Um, And I'm a very competitive person, and so I don't like losing. So I felt that emotion, but that was immediately followed by a sense of relief. Because even as I missed that trapeze and fell, I was caught by the ropes and the harness and by the person that was holding those ropes. And I had that feeling of being caught and being safe and embraced. And I remember feeling that it's okay that I didn't make it and that I was afraid. Someone has got me. Well, you all know that all of us are um, living in this world of fear. According to Lewis and Clark President Uh, Gary Glasner, I think he was president at the time, one of the country's leading sociologists and author of The Culture of Fear, he says that most Americans are living in the safest place at the safest time in human history. 
Around the globe, household wealth, longevity, and education are on the rise, while violent crime and extreme poverty are down. And in the U.S., life expectancy is higher than ever. Our air is the cleanest it's been in a decade, and despite a slight uptick last year, this is in 2015, violent crime has been trending down since 1991. But he asked, how is it possible to be living in the safest time in human history, yet at the exact same time to be so scared? Well, according to Glasner, we are living in the most fear-mongering time in human history. Margie Kerr, who's a social, sociologist at the University of Pittsburgh and the author of Scream, Chilling Adventures in the Science of Fear, says that she looked at why we are more fearful now than 200 years ago. And the thing that she discovered in her research over and over again is that the news that we receive is immediate. And she says, this makes it feel more emotionally charged. We start receiving notifications on our phones as soon as disasters happen. And so there's a false sense of involvement that we didn't have 150 years ago. Friends, you all may feel it. I know and feel the palpable fear of our culture, the anxiety that is on the rise. And speaking to our fears and speaking to our anxiety is God's word. God's word to us today in Psalm 46. The psalmist begins by telling us, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Easier said than done, right? The psalmist goes on to talk about the mountains, though they shake, and the waters roaring and foaming. And he's creating this image because, especially to these ancient folks, the image of water, of chaos, was fearful because it was something that was untamable, something that could devour them. And what the psalmist is painting a picture of is this chaos, and yet God is a refuge in the midst of it. And then he goes on to say in verse 4, he talks about another image of water. This image is of a river. He says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. And this river is the river in Zion, the river in paradise, the river where God is in the midst. That river is tame. That river is full of life. It is the river of life. It is the picture of the river of life in Revelation at the end of time, when all has been conquered and God is in his holy city. And the psalmist gives us a picture of that, that God is dwelling in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved, the psalmist says. God will help it when morning dawns. And so he contrasts these two images of the chaos and the swirling water and the fear and the anxiety and the, the control of the, and the power of God reigning, being a refuge in the midst of his holy city. The psalmist speaks to our fear, and he says that God is more powerful than nature, the chaos of natural forces. And he also addressed that God protects people from, the, from political threats. The psalm is talking to people who are in the midst of war. When there is political chaos, 
Verse 9. God makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And then this verse, one of my favorite verses in all of scripture, the psalmist says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still. That word, be still, we often think that it means to be quiet, to be silent. And you might have even read that verse or heard that verse and thought the command is just to kind of calm down. But actually in the Hebrew, that word, rafa, comes from the root word that means to drop, be weak, or faint. It connotes two people fighting until someone separates them and makes them drop their weapons. That word also is a root word that means to let go, to slacken, or cease. And in Psalms 46, verse 11, it means to let alone, to do nothing, to let go, to let go of the fighting, of carrying the weapons, because God is the warrior. God is the one more powerful than earthly forces of nature or political forces. So to let go, to drop it, and see God as our refuge. A few years ago, I was with some seminary friends, and we were having a reunion, and we were having some wonderful, great heart-to-heart talks sharing our struggles with one another, talking about our fears, our fears that we were living into at the time and our anxieties about the future. And one of my friends from seminary, her name is Danielle, she was speaking to us as we were sharing this, and she said, what is the gospel message? And we thought that she was going to say to us, to comfort us, Jesus came and died for us so that we could have an eternal relationship with God. And that is the gospel message, but she didn't say that. She said, the gospel message is this, don't be afraid. Now, certainly the gospel message is that Jesus died for us, but the consistent message of scripture from the Old Testament to the New Testament is that God is with us. Did you know that over 300 times in scripture are the words, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid because God is with you. God is your refuge and strength. And friends, that is the gospel, the good news. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, so that he could show us that God is with us all the time, that there is nothing to fear. Those were the first words of the angel to Mary. Do not be afraid. That was the first words to the shepherds in the field. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. The Savior has been born. Psalm 46, be still. Let go. Let go. That is how we are not afraid. The hardest part, if you've ever been rock climbing, There's many uh, indoor rock climbing gyms um, around Richmond. But the hardest part when you go rock climbing is actually not getting up to the top. That is strenuous. But I have found that when I have been belaying people as they've gone up to the top, is that when they get to the top or when they are too tired to go any further, is that they have a hard time letting go. 
Have you ever experienced that before? Have you ever been rock climbing? When you get to the top or when you've stopped and when you can't go any further, it's difficult for people to actually let go of their grip on the rock and to trust that the rope and the person holding the rope is going to let them down to safety. There have been many times where we've been shouting up at the top of the person at the, at the rock climbing wall, let go of the rope, let, or let go of the rock, let go of the wall. And our natural instinct is, is to not let go. We want to hold on even if it's making our muscles ache, even if there's nothing else because we want to hold on for dear life. We think that it's our own strength and power that will save and rescue us. But yet in that moment, what we need to do is to let go and to actually let the rope bring you down to safety. Psalm 46, 11 says, be still, let go, let go. And then it says, be still and know, let go and know. What are we supposed to know? We are supposed to know that God is God. How do we know that? How do we know that God is God? We can't just know that because I'm telling you that God is God. We have to know that through experience. Do you know God? Do you, have you experienced God's faithfulness? Have you experienced his protection, him being a refuge for you? Do you know God as being faithful, trustworthy? You will never trust him if you never test him. It is like a friend of mine who moved to Richmond, and we were having a conversation about uh, moving to the South. She was living in the North and had heard a lot about the South and had gotten a lot of advice from people about what it was like to live in the South and about how people were in the South. But she said to me, I never knew that people really were as friendly as I heard they were. I never knew that it was like this. Because it wasn't until she experienced that that she actually knew. And that is the same in our relationship with God. We can say we know a lot about God. We can read about God. We can be told a lot about God. We can be told not to be afraid that God is our refuge. But until you experience and let go and trust God in those moments of fear and anxiety and have experienced God pulling you through those moments to give you that peace, then you will never truly know that God is God. Friends, we've got to let go, cease striving, and trust in God. Experience the faithfulness of God. But hearing this command, do not be afraid, and living it out doesn't mean to sit still and not be afraid. It's a call to action. We're not afraid because Jesus is with us. And therefore, God commands us to go and do something, to take risks, to follow Jesus. Jesus' call is always to follow him. When Jesus left the earth, he gave us the great commission to go and make disciples. And he gave us this promise, I will be with you so that we don't have to be afraid. Psalm 46 is a psalm of confidence in an age of fear. Do you know that this psalm throughout history has been an anthem of the faithful in difficult times. Martin Luther 
wrote a hymn to this psalm during the Reformation. Especially during the unsettling times of war and terror, writes one theologian, we are tempted to place our trust in earthly powers. But friends, no entity on earth, no political party, no top academic institution, the military, not even the church, nothing of human strength or ingenuity can remedy fear and anxiety. Because none of our own making, our own doing, our own striving is more powerful than our God. Who else has overcome death than Jesus? And who else promises that those who trust in him will also be resurrected with him? Romans 8, 11 through 16 in the message version says this. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, He'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does, surely as he does, did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ. So don't you see, Paul says, that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red sent. Don't you see? There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike What's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are. Father and children. I do know it's much easier said than done. Do not be afraid. Trust in God. I know so many of you are facing real life fears and anxieties. Your worlds might be feeling like there is a watery chaos, an unknown future. Yet I invite you to picture with me a little girl standing at the edge of a diving board, scared to jump in, scared of the water, scared of the unknown. And now picture with me that there is her father already in the water in front of his daughter. That he's there reassuring her that he will catch her, that he will be there, and that she doesn't have to be afraid. Finally, still with a little bit of fear, but in trembling knees, she gets right to the edge. And taking a deep breath, she closes her eyes and jumps. The girl who takes the risk to jump off the diving board doesn't do so because she got over her fears. She jumps because she knows and trusts her father who promised to catch her. What joy and strength we have in knowing and trusting Jesus who jumps into the unknown water before us and asks us to jump, 
to let go, to take risks and follow him, and who promises us, promises that he will catch us. Brothers and sisters, when we know who God our Father is, our refuge, our strength, the one who is always with us, that is when we can be still, when we can let go. So my exhortation to you today is let go and take the leap into God's loving arms. No matter what swirling waters of chaos surround you, what, no matter what uncertainty or fear, because a God who can calm storms simply by speaking, peace, be still, will always, always catch you. Thanks be to God. Amen.